Amen. Hey, that's right. You can see with the red screen there, we got a couple videos, one super big one in the beginning. I'll explain that in a second. But we're in our new section there, and it's going to be titled Charismatic Chaos. That's right. The Untold History of the Charismatic Movement. That's just like the History Channel, huh? Okay, whatever. But that's what we're going to work with there. Now, if you notice in your workbook, for those of you who do have faith, praise God for your faith. Okay, it does say that our next topic is Oneness Pentecostalism. And so you're going to like, well, how did that get turned into this? Well, let me explain my rationale, hopefully just this first time only, so you can understand what I'm doing. One is Pentecostalism is basically an offshoot, okay, an offshoot of the charismatic movement, okay? And so to understand where these guys came from, certainly oneness Pentecostalism, I wanted to back up a little bit and understand, first of all, where do they come from? What is the charismatic movement? Now, one of the things that the charismatic movement would have you and I believe is that this, they, it's a new wave. It's a new spirit. The spirit of God is doing something. In fact, if you listen to a lot of them, every year it's a new wave is coming, a new thing or whatever. But that's the theme is what they're doing is, yeah, it's different than what you evangelical Protestants are involved with. But this is a new movement of the spirit. So you just accept that? Or do you do what the Word of God says and you test the spirits, right? And that's the theme for tonight. First John chapter 4, open your Bibles there. That's what the Bible says to do. You don't take nothing for granted. You test it according to the Word of God. First John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Let's take a look there as we begin that journey to test the spirits, right? To see if it's true, right? First John uh, chapter 4. Uh, for, if you find John, what do you do? Yeah, that too, Bobby, but uh, that's the Gospel of John. Take a serious right. This is 1 John towards the back. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, right? Now, here's what he says this, right? He says, hey, just take, if anybody says to you, says, hey, God told me, or I got a word from God, or this is a new movement of the Spirit, and all this, and et cetera, et cetera, then we're, we're good to go. You just got to, and you, and you better not say nothing, because this is, don't you dare. Just, no, here's what he says. Dear friends, what? Do not believe every spirit. Now, what, what's he mean right there? It's okay to question. Like, wait, wait a second. Are you sure that's really from God? Right? Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Right? Because many, what? A few, a couple, one, many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is born of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're not going to take anybody's word for it. Right? I'm not here to just poke people in the eye, but you're making some audacious claims. You're saying that there's a, a new word from God, even outside the Bible, and we need to listen to it above the Bible. Really? Well, let's put that to the test. I don't think that's what God's word says. We'll get to that. You're saying that this behavior that you're involved in the church is a new spirituality, and, and, and that the rest of us is, we're just immature, and we just don't have the same abilities as you, and we're kind of looked down upon. Really? We'll put that to the test. Uh, as well. Now, we're going to see with the charismatic movement, there's a lot of what I would say are secondary issues, right? And a mark of Christian maturity is to agreeably disagree on secondary issues, yet not divide. Now, we're not there yet. It's going to be a while. But Lord willing, we're eventually going to get onto the issue of spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gifts are a classic example of a secondary issue. It's kind of like the position on the rapture. It's a secondary issue. The rapture position does not determine your salvation, Right? By and large. Unless, of course, and there are people who believe this, that you being in the seven-year tribulation 
is going to count with merit for God, i.e. your suffering in there, and that's going to purify you as Christ's bride so that you can go in the rapture or heaven. Now we got a second, it's not a secondary issue, that's a salvific issue, right? Uh, you don't work your way to heaven, period, through your own suffering or whatever. Uh, and, and same thing, spiritual gifts. And that's one of the big delineations. Charismatic movement, it's all gifts, all the time. It's always been that way. We just need to get back to that, okay? Well, what we're going to see is with some of these so-called gifts that they say are still in function, may start out a secondary issue, but because of that beliefs, they're going outside the Bible, right, with those gifts as the source of truth, okay? Now you're outside the scope of what we need to rely upon as truth, okay? So we'll get, we'll get into all that, okay? But, but, but I wanted to deal with the, back up a little bit with the charismatic community first and understand where they came from before we get into the oneness Pentecostalism. Okay. Now, oneness Pentecostalism is not only full of all kinds of false teaching. They are a cult. Okay. Now, does that mean that everybody who's a charismatic is involved in the, in, is a cult? No, I wouldn't say that. I have many uh, charismatic friends. Uh, there's been a couple times I have spoken uh, at some places that I would say are a little bit of more the charismatic flavor. Uh, not the things that we're going to see tonight, uh, I don't believe, okay, uh, over the edge, okay? So, so I'm, I'm not here just to pick it on them, but I wanted to explain where they came from, what's going on, and uh, even with the secondary issues, and then we're going we're gonna to test it. But basically, what I want to do is get into what I would call the extreme charismatic movement, because this is what's really going on today, and this is what's concerning me. Right? You have extreme charismatic movement behavior where it's not just good enough to roll around on the floor with all due respect. Okay? You need to sit on somebody's grave. It's called grave sucking. Right? You need to sit on their grave and you need to pray, supposedly in tongues, and you need to suck up their mantle and get power from that dead person. And Wow. Okay, so you just went from spiritual gifts to, whoa. And that's the kind of things that are going on today. Uh, you, you can only <clears throat> learn to have these gifts if you only go through this certain church that has this certain school, like IHOP or Bethel and things of that nature. And then when you get there, they lock you away from the rest of your family. And I've got reports of people, firsthand accounts, where uh, basically they haven't seen their loved one for years. Well, folks, that's a cult. Okay, that's the stuff that I'm talking about is that aberrant behavior, that extremism. I'm not talking about some of the secondary issues. Okay, although there are some differences they have, like typically a charismatic church will believe that you can lose your salvation. How far can you push that? And you're you're trusting in a works based system. Okay, and uh, so, so we'll get into all that. But what I want to give you tonight is a teaser. I strung together probably about a 17 minute clip or so of just different things that we're going to get into. The extremism that I want to bring this up. I'm not here to poke, and I'm not here to say that every person who's a charismatic is involved in a cult or even bringing in occultic behavior, okay? But there's so much of it coming into the church today, I think we need to deal with it. Does that make sense? How's that for my premise? I don't want to have to keep explaining this every week, okay? But that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to, without further ado, hang in there. This is about a 17 and we're going to journey. We're going to start with the word faith movement, which is sad. It's an aberration. It comes out of the charismatic movement where basically you sow a seed to somebody's ministry and God's guaranteed he's going to do this and blah, blah, blah. Miracle, manna, miracle, spring water, sprinkle on your head to get God's blessing, all that stuff. We're going to move into that to some aberrant behavior. We're going to see some so-called movements of the Holy Spirit and, and uh, things that you can do 
and dances and movements you can do to provide guaranteed healing. And then we're going to get, it's going to get even darker. And, and some of these clips you've seen, maybe. But, uh, and then we're going to get into the aberrant behavior where flat out the occult behavior is coming into the church. And it's one thing for it to come to the church, but it's being touted as the new wave of Christianity and that you and I are the old fuddy-duddies because we still want to do Bible study. Bible study is downplayed by and large. Okay, it's called doctrine, as if that's bad. Okay, it just comes from a Greek word, didache, which means teaching. So is teaching bad? Learning the Bible bad? <laughs> Absolutely not. But the emphasis is on experience and emotions and hyper-extremism with these gifts, and the occult is coming in. That's the stuff that I want to deal with. Okay, make sense? All right, so let's take a look at where we're headed. This is a little teaser tonight of the aberrant stuff that I want to deal with. All right, let's take a look. Have you been settling on not enough? Have you settled on having pain or disease in your body? God doesn't want you to settle. He wants you to receive. That's why Reverend Peter Popoff wants to send you the Miracle Spring Water absolutely free. Because when you receive the Miracle Spring Water and follow the instructions, your life will supernaturally improve in ways you can hardly imagine. $138,000 IRS debt, totally clean and white for my credit report. She got the miracle spring water, anointed her throat, went back to the doctor, and the cancer is gone. What God has done for others, he'll do for you. Call now to receive this faith-building point of contact and release God's miracle-working power where you need it the most. Call the number on your screen to receive your free packet of Miracle Spring Water. It's time for your miracle. Call now. Financial trouble. Do you need a miracle of God? Well, I want to rush you one of my anointed prayer hangers in the mail, absolutely free of charge. Ever since I used it, my neck stopped hurting, my whole body started feeling good. Not only physically, but also financially. By bringing my mortgage up to date, that was three months behind. Thank I you, Jesus! I out of jail and off drugs. He went back to school to finish an electrical course. And now he makes lots of money and takes really good care of me instead of me having to take care of him. BE Landscaping has flourished, and the couple's income has doubled. Today, Cloyce has four men working for him. Seeing God's faithfulness has Jenny excited about giving. God says if we give, it's going to be given unto us. You know, and, and, and it's true. We can't outgive God. The more we've given, Cloyce and I have given. And we're excited now about giving. I mean, we can't wait for an opportunity to give now. That's, that's the truth. We love giving. And God just, it just never fails. He has increased us and increased us. And the more we give, the more he gives back. And it's just a principle of God. Reporting from Southern Texas, I'm Paul Petit for Success in Life. And guess what? This is real. This is the anointing and the spirit of God endeavoring to break the curse of poverty and those generational curses off of you and your home and your life and your business. Call for this biblical point of contact and get into position to receive God's best for you and your loved ones. Every bite from this heavenly king, you'll feel empowered and encouraged to move into all that God has for you. Take the first step to a new life. Call the number on your screen and get your free packet of the Miracle Manna Bread today. 
Today, take him as your senior partner. Make a $1,000 vow of faith. And as God begins to provide, listen to me, and as God begins to multiply, that's all, I'm, that's all God's saying, he will just keep it watered, don't eat your seed, fulfill your vow. I see money letters coming to you. Oh, I feel the anointing of God, but God, who the cause miracles that happen in your life. Money is coming to you. That's right. Miracle money. Divine transfers. I want to show you how to get yourself into a position so that you can receive. I can feel it, though. I can feel it. I can feel it. You wonderful people of God, quit attacking man of God by name. Somebody's attacking me because of something I'm teaching. Let me tell you something, brother. You watch it. You're God in heaven. I wish I can just... Oof. They call out the medicine in my foot. You know, I've looked for one verse in the Bible. I just can't seem to find it. One verse that said, if you don't like him, kill him. I really wish I could find it. <laughs> but don't mention people's names on your radio program and your TV program, thinking you're doing God's service. You're not. You stink, frankly. That's the way I think about it. Sometimes I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost machine gun. I'll blow your head off. Three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit, and we saw 12 people heal the Word of Knowledge, and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost hokey pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. You can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand Put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out Put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about with the arms, uh, nothing, nothing real effect, but then as soon as I just start, we start doing the whole, we'll put your left foot in, your right foot in, both of my knees, 
you know, one at a time, I could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain. I said, and you start checking yourself, I was just squatting down. How long have you had pain? A couple of years. Couple, couple of years. Was there a cause, or you just started wearing on you? Or? Uh, I think it's over a lot of uh, jumping in airplanes. <laughs> Are you jumping out of airplanes? I don't do it anymore, but okay. I used to. Yeah. Maybe you can now. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for new knees in yes. Jesus' name. Come on, come on. What is Toki and the Ghost? This is Toki and the Ghost. <laughs> Toki and the Ghost is simply putting your fingers together in the form of smoking a joint. But instead of smoking an illegal substance that's harmful for the body, you are inhaling the Holy Ghost with the access point of putting your fingers together looking like you're smoking a marijuana cigarette. But in fact, you are receiving impartation from Almighty God. I challenge you today that toking the ghost is an idea from the Holy Ghost to disturb the religious strongholds, to disturb religious demons, to destroy religious spirits from hell, and to get the church into the freedom and the laws of liberty in Christ Jesus so that you may, two things, glorify God and enjoy Him. I'm at Springs of Living Water Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm here with John Crowder. I firmly believe in token the ghost, right? <laughs> I have a little Jehovah Wana. And so we just, <laughs> I have to, and the thing is, it's free. You just reach in your pocket. Wow, look what's there. You just take a little... <laughs> A little, a little whiff of the glory. And you, <laughs> exhale. I'm just going to give you a little second hand right through the video screen, all right? Time and space are not an issue. This is a heavenly realm, all right? So you just access point right here. <laughs> oh, yo, yo, yo. There is no high like the most high. Hi out there in internet land. Um, I was just going to... I was just gonna take a big old glory injection off of my baby Jesus. I just took my baby Jesus and I strapped him to um, a syringe, and I'm gonna just take a glory injection into my veins on the main line. Get some of that big, heavy, liquid, heavy, weighty shooby booby juice just pumping through my veins from heaven. So. Here I go. Shingy boing boing ding 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 ding. Okay now, before we take off, you know, before we go surfing, let's get the reading done. Luke, Luke, <laughs> chapter two, I tell you what, let's look at chapter one, verse, 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 Darius was a member of the Abbey, you need you need a holy ghost enema right up your rear end this is stacy campbell this is the better looking part between west and stacy and the 
by far the more anointed. No, I'm just teasing. But very anointed person. And what I felt the Lord say is that Christianity is a love story. It is a story of the love of God to man. It is a story of love between man and God. And it is a story of love between men and men. And then every time you see displays of God, whether they be prophecy, it is God speaking to man out of his love because he loves the people that he has created. Whether it be tongues, it is the love of God, the love of man going up to his God, not even touching his understanding, but the Spirit speaking to the Spirit in the language of love. And whether it be mercy, giving everything you have to the poor, it is a story of love between men and men. And that all displays of God, when he comes down from heaven and dies on a cross, is the story of his love for his people. And when he comes down from heaven and touches people with his power, the Lord says, look beyond the power. Look beyond the shaking. Look beyond the weeping. Look beyond the laughter and see that I am healing my people. I am touching my people. I am delivering my people from bondages. I am setting captives free. And I am loving my people. And when I love them, and when I touch them, and when I set them free, they will go out and love each other. And know that this is the test of this revival as it happens in your hearts. Do you love me? some of the shocking things and, and just how similar they are to the kundalini cults of Hinduism and the New Age movement, Eastern religions. Um, the stuff that's been invading in the last, say, 16 to 17 years, I believe it's the worst invasion in church history. 
became known as the Toronto Blessing, went worldwide under that name, the Toronto Blessing. Everybody knew what that was about, people falling down, acting drunken, laughing hysterically, shaking uncontrollably or uh, jerking backwards and forwards, their, their head shaking back and forth, people even roaring like lions, people making animal noises. Um, you know, this stuff had not been seen in the church. I mean, it may be in a tiny way on the fringes. This stuff had never been seen in the church on this scale before, and it invaded worldwide. So all around the world, especially in the Commonwealth countries, we're talking England and all through the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and many other nations all over the world, all through Europe, all of the charismatic movement was into this stuff uh, for the large part. And so this thing became a worldwide sensation just in a couple of years. Now the basic question that we're asking in this documentary is why are these manifestations so similar to Eastern religions and Hinduism and the Kundalini cults and yet they're not found in Scripture, they're not found in the Bible, they're not found in classical Christianity at all. <laughs> of course, in Hinduism, one of the most common ways of experiencing a kundalini awakening is through a guru placing his hand upon your forehead. This is called Shaktipat. And when they do that, you'll be infused with this incredible love and this wave of emotion. You'll fall down. There'll be all these manifestations, maybe animal noises, uh, joy and weeping and shaking. This is a kundalini awakening. And amazingly, it is exactly the same as what we have been seeing in the Toronto Blessing. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a Kundalini awakening has always been these Kriyas. You see this woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along, exhibiting these Kriyas happening, involuntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of Kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. A friend of mine from South Africa who's done a tremendous amount of research on this topic says that Kundalini is like a false Holy Spirit. It produces even miracles and healings and fusions of love and power and energy and emotion and uh, all these kinds of things and yet it's the Hindu version of the Holy Spirit, and it's not holy. Wow, <clears throat> that's an eye-opener. That is the stuff that we're going to deal with, right? That's the stuff that I want to address, right? But again, it's just like, I, I can't question that. Now, did you see that one guy that was doing this, I don't even want to do it with my fingers, the token, the Holy Ghost thing, whatever, to supposedly inject the glory of God? Well, first of all, test that. Is it wrong to test that? Right? No. Does the Word of God say that's a practice? That's what? No. 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 But notice what word he said. He said that this has come about in the our time. It's a new spirit, supposedly from the Holy Spirit, to disturb the religious strongholds. You know who that is? That's us. Those people who dare to question this. Right? Yet the Scripture we just opened says what? Test the spirit. Right? According to the Word of God, does God say that? Right? Oh, and by the way, I purposely put that thing up there with Benny Hinn, right? People, he got mad that were calling him out, right? 
He says, I wish that I could find a verse I could kill you. Is that appropriate for a so-called pastor to say? That you wish that I had a machine gun to blow your head off? Is, is that acceptable? Oh, by the way, the scripture does give us examples where Paul calls out people by name in public. Hymenes, Philetus, uh, 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 you know, Jesus called out the Pharisees in public. So the, what are you doing? What do you mean I can't question you? What's the scripture say? Test the spirits. Don't take anybody's word for it. Lots of false teachers going out in the world. You better know the word of God so these people can't pull the rule over our eyes, including what they also say, right? Somehow that part of the gospel, the reason why Jesus came was so we could have perfect health and perfect wealth. Oh, by the way, don't forget, it doesn't work until you give them your money. So who's the ones getting wealthy here? Right? But the scripture even talks about in the last days that false teachers are going to rip people off because of greed. That's even being filled. That's a prophecy-related issue. Right? Uh, but again, it's a new spirit, a new wave. This is what we need to be open to. Really, Jehovah Wana? There's no high like the most high? That's scriptural? We're looked down upon because we don't go into that? Oh, and by the way, these people that, have you noticed, they're getting a so-called prophet or prophetess, okay, that through this shaking, aberrant behavior, they're getting a new word of God outside of the word of God, and we need to listen to it as if thus saith the Lord. And, and we're the bad guys, we're the immature ones, the unfortunate ones, looked down upon because we don't go along with that? I got a problem with that. Test it. Put it according to the word of God, right? And then, of course, where is this stuff leading, as you saw there at the end? Folks, this is flat out occult behavior, okay? And it's getting worse than what you just saw. And eventually we'll get to that with some of the modern movements out there. But I'm not here to pick on them. I'm not saying everybody that's charismatic is involved in the occult or a cult. But this is all coming from this movement. And so we need to deal with that. Does that make sense? Okay, I think I explained my case. All right. Now, uh, wow. As we continue on, though, by the way, because tonight's basically an introduction, is I wanted to share to balance it out. There are certain things, believe it or not, from the charismatic movement that I appreciate. Now, nothing of that, I do not appreciate that. That's leading people astray, it's ripping them off, and it's getting involved in the occult, okay, and being passed off as spirituality. It's not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just a generalized charismatic what. There are a couple things that I appreciate, and some things that uh, I wish we would do a better job on. And because they excel in these areas, I think what's happening is there's a reactionary movement from you and I who fail in some of these areas, and people, are unfortunately, are backing up into the charismatic movement because they excel in these areas. Now, let me explain to that. Uh, number one thing that I appreciate from the charismatic movement is in general, in general, and not saying that some of us here don't, okay, but in general, they're more passionate in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that, right? You know, you hear me say it all the time, you know, in, in the church today, uh, you know, the, uh, much of us, it looks like our diet consists of sour lemons, pickles, and prunes. And somehow that's a great advertisement for Jesus. It's such a chore to be a Christian. Right? But typically, I'm not saying everyone, and there's always extremes to this, right, in both arenas, but typically they're more passionate, right, with that. Now, now one of the ways that they demonstrate that passion is in what we would call uh, our time of worship, now, let me delineate. What's the greatest way that you worship God? It's with your life. Whatever we do, word or deed, you worship the Lord your God, right? You glorify Him, right? Paul says in Revel- uh, Romans chapter 12, this, your logical act of worship is to what? Give your life as a living sacrifice. So the grace, you want to worship God? Give your life. That's number one. But what I'm talking about is what I would say is the Christianese phrase, and that's worship music, okay? Not this time. And this is one area where they, I would say, would excel in. 
It's, it's typically a little bit more passionate. It's more personal. Uh, it, it's more heartfelt. And again, there's extremes because you can, in that movement, I, what I've experienced uh, is it could become very uh, prideful. It's all about bringing attention to yourself. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking in general, right? And, and let me counter that with why I say these are certain things that I would appreciate, right? You look at a typical evangelical Protestant worship time and what's going on. Apparently, that's time to stare at the bulletin is what's going on. No, no, no. No, it's time to look around at other people. Oh, hey, man, I forgot to write out my offering. I better start writing down the offering. The music started. No, you just sit there, and you literally sit there with the scorecard mentality. Now, we don't see it, but it's in your head. Well, they did pretty good this week, the entertainment portion of the service, because that's what it's here for. They're here to entertain me. I give them a five. Hey, the guitarist was doing good, but that keyboardist, man, did you hear how many times they missed? I mean, what? What are we doing, right? Uh, or you don't even sing. You're supposed to what? Sing, worship, right? I mean, that's what the, uh, no, hey, apparently it's time to check your cell phone. That's right. Excuse me? Open your Bibles to Ephesians 5. Let's remind ourselves as evangelicals, right, Protestants, Right? Why do we have this thing in our service called worship time? Why do we do music? Because it's a great time filler until the sermon shows up. No. Right? Right? Why do we do it? Right? And here's what it's supposed to be. Right? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's take a look here. And uh, 19 through 20. And uh, when we gather together, here's what Paul says we're supposed to do. Right? Again, test it. What are we supposed to do? Right? Here's what he says. Verse 19. Speak to one another with what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Er, stop right there. Did he just say hymns and that's it? What did he say? Could be a hymn, but it could be a what? A psalm, it could be a what? A spiritual song. So there's different types. Pay attention to that. Okay, there's different types, right? Uh, and sing and make music in your heart to who? Who are you supposed to be doing it for? It's, you sing to who? To the Lord, right? It's not for your entertainment, the worship team, Rob and others, they're not here to, hey, we got a rocking Christian band. That's awesome, man. This is almost like listening to the radio. Yeah. No, it's a time to worship. They are providing music for us to what? Listen, sing to the Lord. Why? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where basically they provide a platform called music for you and I individually to jump on and use that music that we believe that God's trust in moving and to sing a love song back to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not staring at the cell phone, at the back of somebody's head, looking at the bulletin, writing out a check or doing nothing. Uh, put it to the test. Am I making this up? No. Now, here's my point. Typically... The charismatic community gets this. And it's more heartfelt. Right? Okay? And did you know, listen, I'll share this. I don't know if you guys know this, but let's, let's get the record straight. Did you know it's not illegal to raise your hands during the music time? Did you know that? It's not illegal. Did you know that the Spirit of God will not strike you dead on the spot if you start to go like this? Oh, and speaking of which, did you know it's okay to remove the duct tape from your elbows that you've duct taped your elbows to the side because that's as far as they can go. Because if you go even further, right? I've shared this before, but we get all hung up, right? We either don't sing, we don't engage when it's the time to sing a love song to Jesus, okay? Or we get wigged out, right? Let's watch this guy again. This is funny. 
And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to, Tim. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us. But don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, little elbow flap. You're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. <laughs> oh, but that's what it is. We get hung up, you know, we just see the don't do nothing or whatever we're concerned. I can't show any a bit of emotion. But if you've ever sang a love song to somebody, like if you ever did that uh, as a musician or singer when you're recording your spouse or whatever, and you, hopefully your love song showed some emotion, right? It probably didn't score. Maybe that's why you didn't marry that person, because when you went up there, I love you. Can I sit down now? It's supposed to be a time we sing a love song to Jesus. Right? That's just common sense. Remember, that was natural when you first got saved? Nobody had to give you a sermon on that. You didn't have to wait. Wow, I've been wondering this whole time. I finally read Ephesians chapter 5. What happened? How did it turn into just a dry, stale, boring thing? This is about entertainment. Time to get the scorecards out. Did they do it? Did they not? Is it this? Is it that? And if it wasn't about the motion, no motion, or it's time to look at the cell phone, look at somebody's head. Oh, look at the back of their head. Then we argue over music. What do you say there? It's not just hymns, could be songs, could be hymns, could be spiritual songs. And then we get all hung up. Oh, it's not the kind that I like. It's not about you. You should be able to sing any kind of song as long as it's God-honoring, God-glorifying unto Jesus Christ. That's the whole point, from the heart. But see, we're missing that. Charismatic community typically will get that, right? And, And I appreciate that. Let me give you one analogy of just music, how much we miss it, and then we'll move on to another one. 
Uh, you've heard me say this before. One day, this old farmer, he goes into the city one weekend, into the city, right? And he attends one of those big city churches, right? And he comes home, and his wife asks him how it was, and, and um, the church service there, and the farmer said, well, it was good. He says, they did something different, though. They sang these praise choruses instead of our hymns. And his wife says, praise choruses? What in the world are those? He says, well, they're okay. They're kind of like our hymns, but they're different. And the wife said, well, what's the difference? He said, well, it's kind of like this. He said, if I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn. Well, that would be a hymn. Now, if on the other hand, I were to say to you, Martha, Martha, Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. The cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, cows, cows. They're in the corn. They're in the corn. They're in the corn. They're in the corn. They're in the corn, corn, corn. And then if I were to repeat the whole thing two or three times, well, that would be a praise chorus. Well, the next weekend, his nephew... Okay, a young Christian from the city, he comes to the farm. So he attends the local church there in that small town, and he goes back home, and his mom asked him how it was. He said, well, it was, it was pretty good. He says, they did something different, though. And his mom said, well, what? He says, well, they sang these hymns instead of our regular songs. And he said, hymns? What are hymns? He said, they're okay. He said, they're, they're like our regular songs, but they're a little bit different. She says, well, what's the difference? He goes, well, it's, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a regular song. Now, if on the other hand, I were to say to you, Oh, Martha, dear Martha, hear thou thine cry. Inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth. But turn thou whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth. For the way of animals who can explain, yea, those cows in glad bovine, rebellious delight, have broke free their shackles, their warm pins eschewed. They goaded by minions of darkness and night. They have all my mild, chili wax, sweet corn have chewed. So look to the bright, shining day by day where all foul corruptions of earth are reborn, where no vicious animals make my soul cry, and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. Now, if I were to do only verse 1, 3, and 4 and do a key change on the last verse, well, that would be a hymn. That's not what it is. What's the scripture say? The music portion, what we call worship, the greatest way to worship God is with your whole life. Hello. But the music portion is what? Sing a love song to Jesus. I don't care what style it is. And it should be different styles. Did you know God likes different styles? Did you know God saves different people? Yeah. Different styles. Because it's, it's, it's from the heart. And then you're supposed to jump on that music, so to speak, between you and God. It's not about the other person around you. And sing to Jesus. That's what it is. Charismatic community kind of gets that. We don't. And you know what? People get frustrated with that. And you know what they say? You guys are plastic. You're phony. And I'm looking for something else. And then they back up into the charismatic movement. And unfortunately, sometimes they get involved in all that extremism. Because of our failings. Okay, that's one thing that I, I like about that. Another thing that I like about kind of the passion thing, but to uh, typically a little bit more of a focus on an intimacy with Christ, right? Now, again, a lot of it could be hype, right? It could be uh, some of that extreme behavior. I'm not talking about that, but it's more of a cherishing, just a daily intimate, exciting walk with Jesus. That, that what, you know, what a concept. You're excited about Jesus. First Peter chapter one, turn there. First Peter chapter one, let's put this to the test. Is that just a personal preference, right? First Peter and uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Let's take a look there. And uh, fantastic. Praise to God for a living hope that we have in him. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. 
right? Here's what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why does God deserve praise? Why should we be excited about being Christians? Well, here it is. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, listen, that can what? You see what God has given you, Christian? Are you serious? And you're not excited about this still to this day after how many years? In an inheritance that can what? It can never perish. It, 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 it can't spoil. It, it can't. Listen, it's kept in heaven for you. The word that's used there in the Greek, I wish I had time to get into this. Fantastic. What a study that would be. Right? Basically, the idea and the Greek verb and tensing and the word in the Greek is basically the ticket is already purchased. It's sitting in heaven. It's got your name on it. It's never going to be given away to anybody, and it'll be there for you when you get there. Guaranteed. There's so much going on with that. But isn't that amazing, right? Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by... And on top of that, God's going to make sure you get there, right? Uh, Who are shielded by God's power. What's stronger than God's power? Nothing. We're under his power, right? Until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you what? Oh, man. I've got to read the Bible. Come on. What are you, legalistic? We, we, listen. I, okay. Tell you what. I get it. You're a young Christian. right? You're excited right now. But you know what you're going to do? You, when you get like us more mature Christians, you'll calm down. You'll cool down. Test it. What's the word of God say? You, better, you greatly rejoice. Not just rejoice. What do you say? Greatly rejoice, man. Why? So now, guess what? Yeah, you're going to have trials. Doesn't mean, oh, you quit. No, you can still be joyful. That's a fruit of the Spirit. For though now through a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Now, now, now listen, that's not, you know, God's not trying to put you through the strainer. You can still gain through trials. God uses everything for our good, right? They've come, though, he says there, to test your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, though even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you what? You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with, listen, not just joy, right? And inex, I can't, I can't even find the words for it. it. It's a glorious joy. Why? Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Whoa! Wow. I remember, and I've told you guys the story, before I was saved as a non-Christian, lost as a goose, a pagan in the world, man, I could still see it in my head right now. This apartment I lived at had this deck. It overlooked this empty field. And I would go out there, and as a non-Christian at night, I would weep. And I would weep because I was so empty inside. Longing, hoping, wishing that there could be a God. That there could be something more to life than just the vanity of vanity of vanities of life. You've got to be kidding me, right? And then just, it's like, and then I remember getting saved and, and not even really beginning to be able to explain it. All I know is I called upon the name of Jesus Christ and Boom, instantly everything was changed and I couldn't explain it, but I knew knew that God was real. I knew he was with me. I knew I was saved. I knew I was forgiven. I knew he, I had a relationship with him and I could talk to him, God, the creator of the universe at any time. It's just like the dream has come true. Something bigger than anything you could think of. The creator of the universe knows me. He loves me. He's given me all this. And then, well, such a chore to be a Christian. I've been a Christian now for 20 years. What? What happened to that joy? What happened to that excitement? What's wrong with you? What happened? And the world sees that. Oh, yeah, Jesus is real great, huh? 
He's everything I need. Yeah? How come you don't love him? How come it doesn't show in your face? Where's the passion? Where's the intimacies? One guy said this. He said, I played in every denominational church you can think of, and as a result, I discovered what the world hates most about Christianity. It's Christians. He said it would be okay if they hated us for the right reasons, you know, for our love, our joy. You know what Peter said, just, yeah, love and glory. I can get word yes today. I got to walk with God, the creator of the universe. I'm getting to heaven. Nobody can take it away. He wants to use me in spite of me to do things that will stand for all eternity. That's not what they see. He said, it'd be great if they hated us for the right reasons, you know, the love, the joy, our good deeds. But the problem is they hate us for our hypocrisy. We don't like to admit that the world is tired of hearing us say, praise the Lord. They're tired of seeing the bumper stickers without seeing something Christ-like going on inside the car. They're tired of our t-shirt philosophy and our rings and our necklaces and our phoniness. They're hungry. They're thirsty for truth. They're like I was out there going, they may not tell it. Everybody wears a mask. And they act like they got it together. And they act like they may even tell you they don't need God. But inside they're empty and full of blackness and darkness and pain. And they're longing for the truth. They're longing for substance. You know what they want to see in us? They want to see Jesus. They want to see that you love him. They want to see that you're grateful, that you're passionate, that you have an intimate walk with him. And that's what he says. He says they want to see Christians being real Christians or else to them we're just another trip. He says, listen, guys, we're in a sorry mess. The world is sick of it, God is sick of it, and it's enough to make him vomit. Wow. So I appreciate that of the charismatic movement. I'm not talking the extremism. I'm not talking like we saw in the video, the guy rolling on the floor. No way, man. But appreciating the daily intimacy with Christ. Not being afraid to be excited about Jesus. Loving him every day, being thankful for what he's done. They typically have a better handle on that. They're not afraid to express that. And then people will look at you and I and go, where's the passion? You say you love Jesus, but I don't even see it on your face. And you know what happens? They walk away from us. What we do have is good teaching, typically. A lot of churches go into apostasy. But then because we're missing that element... With the teaching, they'll go back to that and sometimes get into the extremists. Let me give you one more. Uh, Typically, another thing that I appreciate is what I would say is probably a more willingness to trust God or, dare I say, believe God as if he's really God for the impossible, right? Like it's like, oh, man, I don't know, man. I'm going through this really scrape. What do you do? I don't know. I guess you just better gut it out, you know. Maybe there's some sort of a government program that could take care of your need. No, I don't know what you're going to do. You better figure something out. Hey, call an account. I don't know what you're going to What happened to, let's go to God and pray about it, right? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, man. He owns the earth and everything on it, even the people on it. God's arm's not too short. How many more verses do you need, right? With God, all things are possible, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But then we go through hard times and we act like, oh, God's... Well, what happened to that? When we first got saved, what was the knee-jerk reaction? Woohoo! it's time to pray. I need to find a brother or sister in the Lord. Come on, pray. Let's trust God. Oh, man, I tell you what, we're going through this health thing and whatever. And let's say, well, I don't know what you're going to do. Hope you got your will. <laughs> hey, how about Pray. 
Right? Now, we're going to see extremism in this where they think that guaranteed, if you give some money, you're going to get healing. I'm not talking about that baloney. I'm just talking about what happened to God being God and he could do whatever he wants. Can't he still heal people? Yeah. Now, is it a 100% guaranteed every single time? No. But can he still heal people? Yes. Can he take care of any financial situation you're going through? Yes. Can he restore any relationship he wants to? Yes. Can he take rid of everything and fix everything in a moment of time if he wanted to? Yes. What happened to that belief? And what happens, I think, is we go back to naturalizing God. And we start living life like he's, yeah, he's there. I got my ticket in heaven. I'm just kind of muddling through till I get there. Where's that faith? One thing I appreciate about some of the charismatic community is they don't have a problem. We'll trust them. I got a phrase personally, I say this, God made the moon, so let's shoot for the moon. He can do it. He can do what we can't do. And he does it all the time. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think of, Ephesians 3.20. That's what God said. But what happens is over time we stop believing that God is God. One of my favorite stories illustrates this. This lady had to go through some hard times before she was reminded that. True story. She said it was the summer of 2002. It was a bittersweet time for my three children and I. We had just moved, and needless to say, we were struggling financially. And one afternoon, after picking up my two youngest kids from school, my seven-year-old son asked if we could have pizza for supper. My heart broke a little when I replied we could not afford pizza. But my nine-year-old daughter spoke up and told my son, hey, if you want pizza, she should what? Pray and ask God for it. Where's the childlike faith, right? So my son proceeded to lift up his little request to God, true story, with all the faith that a child has. And for a split second, listen to what she said as the adult. I envied his childlike faith and wondered at what point in my so-called Christian life had I lost the ability to just believe. Also during the course of the prayer, my son remembered that we were out of toilet paper. So he prayed, God, could you also get us some toilet paper? Right? And she said, I was slightly embarrassed that he would ask our creator, the Lord of heaven and earth, for such a thing, but I just let him pray. Well, the rest of the afternoon was uneventful, but at about 4.45, the doorbell rang, and my two youngest children went to look out the window to see who it was, fully expecting them to tell me it was one of their friends. I was not in any way prepared for what came next. My son yelled out, Mom, Mom, the pizza dude's here. The pizza, who, what? She said, I made my way to the front door in a state of confusion. And my son came running through the house shouting, it's an angel, it's an angel. God sent an angel to deliver pizza. And so I went to the door to clear up the confusion as I was sure this pizza dude was at the wrong house. I was also worried about the disappointment my son would feel when this delivery boy realized that he was at the wrong house. So I greeted the pizza boy and explained that we had not ordered the pizza to which he replied, quote, I know, true story, I know, ma'am. Someone called the order in and paid for it with a credit card, and we were asked to deliver it to you around 5 p.m. Wow. How many guys would like to have that credit card? (laughs) Isn't that cool? And she said, listen there, quote, and this is just like God. He blesses big. I must have been quite a sight standing there with my two daughters and our mouths hanging open in total disbelief, and my son standing behind us saying, see, I told you God sends angels to deliver pizza. So the delivery boy handed me four large pizzas. He just asked for one. And God says, now I'm going to give you four. Four large pizzas. And we carried our feast into the kitchen. I was still in shock. I spent the rest of the evening trying to absorb what had just happened. And and just as I was pondering these things, my son yells from the garage, Mom, Mom, I was looking through this box, and guess what I found? Four rolls of Charmin toilet paper. You know, the good stuff that clogs up the toilet. 
Well, apparently, she said, listen, I had packed that toilet paper in a box some three years ago in one of our previous moves, and my son just happens to find it that same night that we, he asked God for. So she said, I just broke down and cried, thanking God for the miracles that he showered on us that day. That summer, 2002, it was hard. It was rough. It was difficult. But it turned out to be one of the best of my life. Why? She said, because I learned to simply believe no matter what it looks like. Why? Because God is good, and yes, he does send angels to deliver pizza. Trust him. Where did that go? Remember when we first got saved? There was that intimacy. There was that passion. Came time to sing love songs to Jesus. We were in it. I don't care what you guys are thinking. I'm singing to Jesus. I love him. Every day you were excited. Woo, yeah, God loves me. Tickets in heaven. I can't even describe how excited I am. And, and this is awesome. And I walk with him every day. I get to learn about him. He's given me a written account of the past, present, future, how much he loves me, all his wonderful promises, where I'm going. And it's inc- I can't believe there's so much here to learn before I even get to see him face to face. I get to share him with other people. Their lives can be transformed. They can go to heaven too. What a privilege. This is amazing. And oh, by the way, are you going through a hard time? Let's pray about it. God can do it. Where did that go? What happened to that? Did you get mature now? That's what's missing. I think what we are excelling in, again, a lot of so-called even Protestant evangelical churches, they're getting away from the Bible too. But there's good, solid churches, and this is what I wish we would have together, personally. Both of these things. We're excelling, I think, in good, solid biblical teaching. But can you imagine if we got back to basics and we brought in a good, solid, loving, intimate, passionate, daily relationship with Jesus to the good, solid? And then people come and join us for services It's not about putting on a show. But can you imagine walking into that environment? People really love God. They really love Jesus. And when it's time to worship, everything's down. The phone is off. The wallet, the purse is put away. The bulletin, get that thing out of here. It's time to sing to Jesus. And you got a trouble? Oh, man, let's pray right now. They get along. They don't gossip. They don't, they're not striving against each other. They're not fighting, backbiting like this. And it's like, whoa, where has this been my whole life? And the word of God is coming alive because it's being preached faithfully and accurately in its fullness. And the spirit of God blesses that. That's what I wish we had. But because of that deficiency, I'll say it one more time. I think people see what we're lacking And they back into this, that there are elements of excelling. But then they get the negative side. And the negative side, we're going to see with the charismatic movement, is it's very low on this. And it's gone hyper-extreme into the emotion, hyper-extreme, you saw, into experience. Now you're bringing in the occult, and you're saying that that's from God. And then you're splintering off so fast, it's hard to even keep up with right now with so many different cults. And it's sad. Would they have ever gone down that route if you and I would have maintained our first love? 
Because I really think that's what it boils down to. Right? Not to put a big guilt trip, but I think that's what's an unfortunate side effect of our failings. So I wanted to share that because I'm not saying that everybody who's a charismatic is involved in the occult. And every charismatic is in a cult. I'm not saying that. But we are going to see out of that movement this extreme behavior that I think it's sad that people have backed up into and they're getting involved in and that now you and I are of the religious strongholds, the old fundamental fuddy-duddies, okay, and then we're looked down upon as the immature ones and we have no right to do what the Scripture says we do to test the Spirit, to see if this is true. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to begin our journey, Lord willing, next time. We're going to take a look at some core beliefs of the charismatic movement, and then we're going to put it to the test. Is this a new wave of the Spirit? You're going to see this has just simply been repackaged. It's stuff that was dealing with even in the early church, and it's just been repackaged. And apparently that's the signal that it is time to close. So William Tell Overture does it every time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, You shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? 
Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what he already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.